uh, evening tonight. Dr. Mark Sterling is with us. He's the senior pastor of the Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, uh, and has been there for a number of years, does a marvelous ministry in that downtown uh, church in Augusta. God's using him powerfully and mightily. I had the opportunity of working with Mark uh, in the evangelism office of the Georgia Baptist Convention, where he was for a number of years, and also in the office of prayer for spiritual awakening. Was actually Dr. White's special assistant for uh, that in the state. While in Georgia, uh, or at the Georgia Baptist Convention, Mark wrote a book entitled Walking with God uh, in Prayer. And it was a tremendous seller around the state, self-published by the convention, but it flew off the shelves and continued to do so uh, for a number of years, went through a number of printings. Uh, God's hand was on it, uh, and uh, Mark did an excellent job with that work uh, for many reasons, one of which happened to be he did his doctorate with a focus uh, on that subject. His dissertation was on prayer. But then also, Mark does walk with God in prayer, and you're going to hear uh, some of that tonight as he addresses us. Now, uh, our procedure tonight is going to be very simple. Uh, Mark is going to speak to us, and when he's done, he's going to call us to prayer, and then I'm going to come and begin to call out topics for which uh, we need to pray, and then I will ask uh, some pre-selected folks to come and lead us in prayer for those topics. If you've got a need in any one of these areas, we'll ask you to lift your hand. In fact, if you want to come to this altar or the front row for us to pray for you, we can do that as uh, well. But during that time, uh, we will first pray for spiritual needs, and I've Ask some members of the prayer team and some of our deacons to help us with this. Um, if you've got a spiritual need, we would like for you to acknowledge that just by the uplifted hand or moving to the altar, to the uh, front pew, and uh, Sherry Michelle is going to be praying for you about your spiritual need. There are health needs that, uh, we, uh, that we may have, and we'll ask God to heal you and to take care of you or to sustain you through uh, recovery, sickness, or whatever it is that you're facing. And Bob Moeller will be praying for that. We'll be praying also for prodigals. Uh, we're asking God to come through and to uh, pr- uh, uh, with, with prodigals. We'll be praying for that. Then we'll be praying for church ministries. And we've asked our um, chairman of deacons to come and to pray for um, our church ministries. And then I will close us by praying for revival. And once I do that, we will open it up to other needs, anything that you may have. And just from where you are, if you'll voice a prayer, whatever's on your heart, we would greatly, greatly uh, appreciate that. Uh, If we do go past uh, the 7 o'clock end time, uh, we should start our prayer time by about 6.45 or so. But if we go past our 7 o'clock time and you've got to dismiss yourself to choir practice, please feel free to do so uh, if uh, you'd like to stay. Otherwise, we'd like you to stay to the end, okay? But we sympathize with our choir folks, all right? Well, are you ready to hear Dr. Sterling? All right, give him a beach haven welcome, would you? Thank you all for allowing me to come and uh, share with you tonight and uh, want to maximize the time and I don't want to go over so I want us to get right into it. So I want to ask if you take your Bibles and open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Our topic tonight of course is prayer and um, but we're going to take a look at what Paul, what his take on prayer was as he recorded it in Ephesians chapter 6. Now this is a very 
familiar probably text to you that deals with the armor of God and his take on that. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 20 and put an emphasis on the last three verses, 18, 19, and 20. And uh, I just want to say to you as we begin to talk about prayer tonight for just a few minutes, I really want you to open your heart and mind and say, Lord, ask him, say, Lord, do I really understand what prayer is? Sometimes we get in our mind that we understand and we think this is what prayer is. And we need to say, Lord, reveal to me the, the understanding of what prayer really is so that I can live in its reality. Now, I can promise you that the majority of churches will not vote prayer out of uh, their procedures of how they operate. They're just not going to do that. But did you know that the majority of churches don't pray? We acknowledge it. We teach on it. We talk about it. But we're really not experiencing the power of prayer as we should be. And we need to understand what Paul's talking about here. He is calling the Ephesians to a understanding and a lifestyle of prayer. And I want us to see that specifically tonight. So I want to take this particular text. I'm going to break it into three sections as I read it. Uh, verses 10 through 13, I want you to see that this describes the battle. Now, you may not like this, but here's the truth of the matter. You and I as believers in Christ are engaged in a spiritual battle. We may not like that. <laughs> you know, as my wife says, she is, I'm Pollyanna. I like to watch Hallmark, and I like everything to end well, you know. And uh, so she likes everything to be nice and rosy. But the truth of the matter is, we live in a spiritual world and we're in a battle. Let's see what he says about that. Beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, not a part and a piece, but the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because all that is true, here's your transition, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So these verses simply tell us, listen, we're in a battle. There is a spiritual battle that is raging that we live in the midst of. Now, second part, this defines the armor that is needed for the battle. God didn't say, just listen, I want you to realize you're in a battle and you're unprotected. I've given you armor to put on so that you can be in this battle and you can have the strength to move forward in accomplishing my will. So this defines the armor that's needed for the battle. Verses 14 through 17. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
Now, I, I'm going to end it there, make a division between verses 17 and 18, and say, okay, that is, that is the armor, okay? And we, most of us know that well. Most of us have studied that, learned that from the time that we were small. But there's your armor. Now, verses 18 through 20 delineates the power that enables the armor to be effective in the battle. And here's what it says, verse 18. And these will be the verses that we will focus on tonight. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So here's our text tonight, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. The reason this is so vitally important, it helps us understand that it's not just about knowing truth, but it's an understanding of living truth. People are very good with the Christian lingo. We learn it at a young age. We speak it fluently. We can speak the terminology of Scripture. We have buzzwords. We have phrases. We have ways that we speak to each other that are identified with the Scripture. But to be able to speak it is one thing. To live it is totally something different. And when you talk about putting on the armor of God, what you're talking about is living the truth that God wants us to live. It's really a picture of being in right relationship with God. You talk about loins girded about with truth, that, that belt of truth, living in the truth, not just speaking it, but living it. The breastplate of righteousness, foot sodded in the gospel preparation of peace, the shield of faith, all the pieces, each one represents the picture of living in right relationship with God. And so we need to not just know the truth, we've got to live the truth. You say, okay, I want to do that. So what's prayer have to do with, with the armor? Well, it is prayer that allows the armor to live, in essence, for it to come alive and do its work, for us to live in that truth and for us to be effective in the midst of the battle. If we divorce ourselves from prayer and we say, well, I'll, yeah, I know truth and, and I carry the Bible and I read the Bible, or you say, well, yes, I, I understand that I'm supposed to be a person of faith and, and I'm going to live by faith and I have my shield of faith and all those things. And you can identify with all of them. You can list them all. But you don't pray and you don't understand the purpose and the power of prayer. You're not really living the truth because there is a connection between the armor and prayer. You, you can't separate the two. You've got to understand how they are connected. Now I want to give you four words to identify in the text before we actually get into the verses that make a connection to prayer because that's what I'm trying to get us to understand, okay? All right, the first is found in verse 10, and it's the word strength. See, prayer is connected to strength. Do you need strength to accomplish God's will in your life? How many of you feel strong in the Lord? How many of you know what it means to live by God's strength? What's it say in Philippians 4.13? I can do what? 
all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so it's his strength that allows you to do all things, right? Well, Paul understood it. He said, be strong in the Lord and what? In his mighty power. Who's his? Who's God's? God's mighty power. Do you know how many believers today are living um, the Christian life in their own strength, in their own power? Do you know how dangerous it is to, to grow up and do life and do church and never understand what God's power is? And you think, well, this is it? but yet you could be missing it completely and totally? Well, his strength is connected to prayer. Don't miss that. Then prayer is also connected to the struggle. He says specifically that we're in a spiritual battle and we have a spiritual foe that we're in this struggle with. And so prayer is directly connected to the struggle, the battle that we are in. And that battle is with our enemy named Satan, the devil. Um, Satan is known as the adversary. The devil is known as the accuser. He is the tempter, the liar, the murderer, um, the serpent, the angel of light, uh, the god of this age. There are many terms that define our enemy. We don't just get saved and everything's great. We live in the midst of a battle with an enemy named Satan. Now, he's got his own servants. Uh, these are demons. These are people who do his bidding. We are told here in the text that that there are, there are powers uh, that are beyond really our comprehension sometimes to fully understand the spiritual nature of the battle that we're in. But we are in this struggle. The Bible clearly says we're in a battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we've got to take that serious, okay? But prayer is going to help you understand how to do that. So the struggle, the strength, the struggle. And then the stand. Prayer is connected to the stand. That we are to stand uh, strong in verses 11, 13, and 14, you see this that, that we are to stand your ground, as it says in verse 13. After you've done everything, to stand. Then he says in 14, stand firm. Some of you need to stand firm. You say, Well, how am I going to do that? Well, it's going to be connected to prayers, you'll see in a moment. And then the fourth thing I want you to see that prayer is connected to is the suit of armor, verses 14 through 17. Uh, prayer is directly connected to that suit of armor that he has given us, okay? So the strength, the struggle, the stand, and the suit, all of it is connected to prayer. And, and this is where I want us to see this in verses 18, 19, and 20. Three things that we're going to see, and here they are. How to pray, who to pray for, and what to pray for. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Uh, how to pray, who to pray for, and what to pray for. And so I want to begin with the how to pray. He says in verse 18, Paul is writing to the church here in Ephesus, and he tells them, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So how are you to pray? If you say, Mark, how do you pray? You, you do it in the Spirit. The Bible's clear when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit resides within you. Jesus said, uh, when, I, when I leave, and he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And so if it's salvation, the Spirit lives within you. How many of you have ever felt conviction of sin? He said, oh, you know, you just, you know that conviction. That's the Holy Spirit, right? How many of you have ever felt uh, the leadership of the Holy Spirit like, 
um, wanting you to go do something, like he puts a burden on your heart, and you know it's the Holy Spirit that is putting that burden on your heart. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is in us. We are to, as the scripture says, what? Keep in step with the Spirit, right? We are to live by the Spirit. Um, We are to pray in the Spirit. And so as we pray in the Spirit, we are really, it's a picture of submission to the Holy Spirit's leadership in our life, okay? And when we submit to the Word of God and to the Spirit in that way, then the expressions that come from our hearts, the things that we utter to God, the the prayers that we have, the conversation that we have with Him is being led by the Spirit, listen, not by the flesh. A lot of people pray in the flesh. Man, they're just praying to God. They're just letting God have it. But it's all fleshly. It's not in a position of surrender where the Spirit has control of that. Um, It says over in Jude, uh, verse 20, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide your prayers. And when you're yielded to the Holy Spirit and you're praying in that way, he says this, you're to pray on all occasions. All occasions. Okay? Now listen to me, young people that are in the room tonight. You say, well, I'm going to pray when I get to church. Well, that's good. Pray when you come to church. You say, well, I pray before I go to bed. Well, that's good too. Or I pray when I get up. That's fine. That's good. But that, you know what the Bible teaches? You pray all the time. I tell my girls before they go to bed, I said, you can talk to God anytime. One of the things I tell people at a funeral, at the graveside service, one of the last things I tell them before the body is dropped into the ground and The dirt is put over and all that is finalized. I said, in the days ahead, one of the greatest things you can do is pray. Some people think prayer is left for the clergy. It's left for the Sunday school teacher or the deacon or the the elder in the church or whoever it may be. No. God wants to communicate with you. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to express your heart to him. Your fears, your joys, your everything. And I, I tell my girls, listen, it's just, it's just like, just, it's communication. Just express your heart to him. Call out to him. And the Holy Spirit's within you. He will guide that. And so prayer is prayer on all occasions. This means anytime, anywhere. You can pray walking down the road. You can pray driving your car down the road. Just don't close your eyes, please. Okay? That'd be a bad thing. You'll be doing a lot of praying, maybe in heaven, but, uh, you know. But pray all the time. I learned this. I learned this at a young age. And and he referenced the book, Walking with God Through Prayer, and it's really just a, wherever you go, whatever you do, you can talk to God, and God can direct your life. Don't cut him off. Um, How many of you have the habit of when a message comes in on your phone, text message, Instagram, Uh, Twitter, whatever it is, when it goes off, you just want to look and see what it is. How many people are just addicted to want to see what it is when your phone vibrates or goes off, okay? My girls, man, the phone goes off, they're grabbing that thing, and they're like, let's see what this is, you know? I've tried to discipline myself not to be, um, you know, like that as much. 
Uh, but then I went and bought this running watch because I like to run. And so now when, when my phone goes off, it shows up on my wrist, and I've got this habit of doing this all the time, you know. And, and so I've, I've, I'm not doing too good with it, so I'm always constantly checking it. But my, my point is this. We stay connected with the outside world that's always sending us something, right? And when it goes off, boy, we're responding. We ought to have that kind of response to the Holy Spirit in our life. That the moment he's getting our attention, we're responding. See, too many people think that, well, I'll give God some time when I go to church on Sunday. No, God wants you all the time. He may wake you up in the middle of the night, and you should be prepared to talk to him. You know, I remember when I started growing in the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I, if you want to tell me something, I'm willing to listen at any time. And I had a man tell me, he said one time, he said, I put a, a pad and a pen beside my bed. If the Lord wants to wake me up the night and put something on my heart, I'm going to turn over and I'm going to write it down. I can't tell you how true that is, how the Lord will put things on your heart. He'll have you pray for people in the middle of the night on the other side of the world, and there's some purpose in that. You ought to learn to be sensitive to the Lord at all hours, all the time in your life. Just say, Lord, my life is your life. It's yours. I'm on call 24-7 to you. That's what he's trying to communicate. Don't separate prayer to your Wednesday night or your Sunday or when somebody asks you. Be praying all the time. And then pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. Prayer can be talking, it could be crying, it could be waiting, it could be rejoicing, it could be listening to God. It may be praise, it may be petition, it may be provision. I mean, the list is long the Bible gives us of what constitutes the definition of prayer. It's not just because you say, well, I'm going to go to the altar, and then I'm going to kneel down, and I'm going to kneel down just perfectly so, and if I get in the right position, and I look right, and I get my head bowed, and then I pray the prayer just the right way, then God's going to hear me. It's not about position. It's not about what other people think about how you're praying. It's about the honesty of your heart and your willingness to call on God at any time, anywhere, and just open your heart to him with any of these types and kinds of prayers. Um, you know, I was telling the group earlier about an hour or so ago when I was teaching them, I was reminded, uh, I was pastoring a church in Roxborough, North Carolina, and God put on my heart, uh, one day I was at a gas station, and this is a kind of a bedroom community of the Raleigh-Durham area. It's a nice area. It's not a, it's not a run-down area, you know. But I noticed there was a man at the gas station who looked homeless. His clothes were tattered. He was dirty. He had a long beard. Um, he was an older gentleman. And he was going around from trash can to trash can to trash can. And he was digging in the trash can, and he'd get a cup, and it'd have a little bit of some liquid in it, and he'd drink it. And then he'd, get a, he'd find a bottle and take the top off, and he'd drink what was in that. And I was like, this is not normal. This is not big city. This is, something's off here. And I just started praying. So I'm praying while I'm pumping my gas, right? And so the guy goes two or three of those, and he goes inside. And, and as I'm praying for him, the Lord said, I want you to go inside and buy him a drink. I mean, the Lord just impressed that on my heart. And so I said, are you sure, Lord? I got, I got places to go. Is that really what you want me to go do? Yes, that's what you want you to go do. And so I went inside, and I found him at the back of the convenience store. And on the back wall, they have all the coolers with the, you know, the big clear doors, and then all the drinks are on the back wall. And that's where he was, he was back there looking around. And I said, I walked up to him, and I said, Sir, I said, 
I, I couldn't help but notice you were outside looking for something to drink. And I said, do you mind if I buy you a drink? He didn't say anything to me. I said, sir, I said, I would love to be able to buy you a drink. He goes, uh, all right. He just kind of grunted at me, opens up the door, grabs a drink, takes a top off, takes a sip, and walks out. Never said thank you, never said anything, just walked out of the store. And I said, Lord, that really went well. Mercy. I don't know what that was about, but I went up to the cash register, and I paid for the guy's drink, and, and I left. Well, the next week, our students went to, to camp, and um, they were gone for the week, and I think they went to beach camp, and when they came back, so it was like a week and a half later on a Sunday night, they had all gotten back, and there were sleeping bags everywhere, and luggage, and all the kids were running around, going where they needed to go, and one of the students came up to me who'd been visiting our church and went to camp, and he came up to me, he said, I got to tell you something. I said, what is it? He said, I got saved at camp. I said, man, that's awesome, and he was telling me about it, and we were celebrating that the Lord had worked in his life, and he'd gotten saved, and I was walking away, and then he turned to me, and he said, and Pastor Mark, I said, yeah. He said, I want you to know, I watched you buy that man a drink in the convenience store. He was in the stock room, stocking. He worked there, and I didn't know it. Now, we don't always get to see what God's up to, but we always have the opportunity to obey. And the practice has been for me that I always don't get to see how God answers prayer. But I'm trusting by faith if he asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Now, when I prayed at that gas station, okay, nobody could tell I was praying. I was pumping my gas, but in my heart I was praying. Nobody could tell I was being obedient to the Lord when I walked in to buy that man a drink. And I sure couldn't understand it when the man wouldn't even speak to me and he just grabbed the drink and walked out of the store. How does any of that make any sense? But that's how God works. The question is, are we willing to trust him and obey him even when it doesn't make sense to us? Well, that came out of praying. I wasn't praying in a church. It didn't make any sense, but that's how God works. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And then secondly, who to pray for? Who to pray for? It says in verse 18, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. All the saints. Okay? Now, that means we need to pray for one another. There's power in that. Intercession is an incredible thing. Okay? Um, so he says, though, if you're going to be able to do that, two things. You got to be alert. Okay? That means to stay conscious. He said, uh, with this in mind, be alert, spiritually alert. You know how so many Christians feel like the Christian life is boring and dead? Because they've never understood the power of prayer in God's word. And if you're not surrendered to him, to him in his word and you're not praying in this way, you're not alert. You're not alert spiritually. You're not alert to his leading. But you've got to be alert, which means to, to, to keep awake, spiritually speaking, and then you've got to stay consistent. You've got to keep on praying. This means to persevere, to stay with it until the Spirit redirects or Jesus gives an answer to you concerning the prayer. You say, how do you know, you know, who am I supposed to pray for? I struggle with this one as a pastor. I have so many prayer requests. There's more than I could ever count in a day. Well, who am I supposed to pray for? The ones God puts on my heart. The ones I have such a burden for that I can't get away from the burden until God releases me of it. And I'm going to persevere in that until God says it's enough. 
either I don't need you to pray anymore or I'm going to answer this and I'm going to give you something else to pray about. But I said, Lord, I'm open to whatever you want me to pray about. I'll intercede for whoever you want me to pray for, but you're going to have to direct that. At least have a willingness to say, Lord, I'll do that. I will do that. Now, that's who to pray for in a very short version. But now I want you to see what to pray for. Now, this is so key. He says, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth. This is Paul now. This is the amazing Apostle Paul. This is the church planting Apostle Paul. This is the one that won people to the Lord. This is the one that stood for the Lord in amazing ways, faced persecution, went through all that he did. The one that we hold up up here and go, this is the amazing, incredible, godly, spiritual apostle Paul. And what is he doing? He's enlisting the church to pray for him. He never graduated from enlisting other people to pray for him so that he would accomplish what God was calling him to. All of the great men that I know of that are alive today and that have served the Lord faithfully and are no longer alive, there is a connection. I've watched this. I've recorded it between their effectiveness and their prayer and their willingness to enlist God's people to pray for them. There's something to the power of intercession. Paul knew it. He said, I am not too good for it. I have not graduated from it. Please pray for me. And whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, the reason he requested this and the reason he prayed this way is he knew who he was and he accepted it. He's an ambassador. He is, over in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this. We were given the entrustment of the ministry of reconciliation as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, if we don't accept that, if we say, I'm not his ambassador, I just go to church. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about this ministry of reconciliation that somebody needs to get right with God. I'll leave that to Dr. Mills. Let him do that work. I'm the one that comes and does other things. Let me tell you something. If you take that approach, you're so going to miss what the Christian life is all about, the fullness of the Christian life and what it's about. I'm telling you, God did not allow us to come to know him and be saved for eternity and have this special relationship with him so that we can hide it and be silent about it. He said, I want you to be faithful with it until I come back. It is your ministry of reconciliation. You are my ambassador. Speak for me. Let me work through you. Let me use you. And he's begging the church, waiting for the church to be that vessel again. And when we become that vessel and we know who we are, then what we're going to do is going to change everything. It changes how you pray. It changes how you live. It changes how you see people. It changes everything. And you begin like the Apostle Paul to say, look, I'm on mission here. I got a job. I know who I am. And God's going to work through me. And I see the world so differently. Would you please pray for me that I go over here and I work in a, in a store over here that God's going to work through me. I'm not just going there to get a paycheck. 
Or if I'm in school over here, that I'm not just going to go to school because I want to get a degree. No, I'm, I'm going there because God's going to use my life as an influence. And then when I get done with college, God's going to place me on the mission field, whether it's here in America or around the world, wherever he puts me, because I'm his ambassador. I'm not going to get out of school and go make six figures or whatever it is that my goal is to make, and then I'm going to make this happy life for me, and this is about me and me and me. Paul, no way. Paul didn't live like that. He said, these chains, it's because I'm an ambassador for Christ. And when we become ambassadors for Christ, we pray differently and we enlist the church to pray for us to be effective in preaching the gospel. And that's why, that's why he's praying this way. This may be the whole key here to this whole deal of understanding spiritual battle, understanding the armor of God, understanding how to enlist other people to pray for us. Because if we know who we are and we're in this battle and we want to be effective, it's not about us. It's about him. And when we start praying our prayers, um, think about this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many times have we prayed that prayer? That he would be glorified, and it's about his will, not ours. To fully pray that prayer is to say, yes, Lord, I'll be on mission for you. To fully pray that prayer is to begin to enlist people to pray for you in this way. And really what he was praying was this, is that he would hear from God. Pray that I will listen. That's what he was saying, that he'd get a word from God. So that when he heard God speak, that then he would speak for God. And then he said, pray that I will speak. That is to overcome the fear factor. You think Paul was fearful? I don't know, maybe. But he said, that I may speak this fearlessly as I should. And whatever fears we may have, I believe the Lord takes care of those when we pray this way. So we walk in the Spirit, we listen to the Spirit, and we obey the Spirit. And it's an amazing thing how God begins to use us when we pray this way. So many prayers are self-focused prayers. Now, God already promised us he'll meet our needs. God, but God's not against us praying about where we are, what's going on. But we ought to be able to pray for his will and his glory first and foremost. And then say, Lord, if I'm going to glorify you, if I'm going to fulfill your will then I want to tell you about the things that are going on in my life. I've got this health issue. I don't know where to go to college. I don't know about this. And I don't know about that. I don't know about... But what we do is we take the college and the health and the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the, the income and everything, and we put it over top, and we never talk about his will or his glory. We're just talking about our will and our glory. But if we'll flip them, it's amazing what God will do. It's amazing. Um. Leonard Ravenhill wrote these words. He said, The church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Many who pay, but few who pray. Many resters, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. People who are not praying and praying. The secret of praying is praying in secret. A worldly Christian will stop praying, and a praying Christian will stop worldliness. Ties may build the church, but tears will give it life. That is the difference between the modern church and the early church. 
in the matter of effective praying, never have so many left so much to so few. Brethren, let us pray. We've got to pray. We're in a spiritual battle. There was a grandmother and her young grandson, I think five or six years old, wanted to serve his grandmother one morning. And the grandmother liked coffee. And the little boy said, Grandma, I'm going to get you some coffee. She goes, okay. I like it black. He goes, okay. And so he goes into the kitchen and he gets a cup and he pours the black coffee um, into the coffee cup and he takes it to the grandmother and she's sipping along on it and thanks the little boy for bringing the coffee. And she gets about halfway down and she notices that in the bottom of the cup there are some of those little green soldier men that little boys play with. Right? And so the grandmother calls the little boy over and she says, why are there soldiers in my cup? And, she, and he looked up to her and he said, well, Grandma, they say the best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. She said, okay, I get it. You know what some of us need? We need to put some soldiers in our coffee cup every morning to remind us we are in a spiritual battle.